an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and we've got Kevin Wilson here with us. Howdy. Hey, how's it going, Kevin? Oh, living the dream, living the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's, uh, <laughs> how's quarantine treating you? You know, it's all right. I'm getting out. I'm going out running. I went out running yesterday. Wasn't so bad. It's it's a nice, beautiful spring day. I'm trying to enjoy it while I can. There you go. Yeah, there you go. You know, um, I was I was talking with a friend yesterday, and I was talking about how um, with quarantine, you know, I'm I'm really bulking up, but not not in a good way. Not like some of my friends who are you know working out every day and doing push-ups and stuff. I I think I'm bulking up in the. Uh, in the wrong sort of way where I'm eating a bunch of uh, junk takeout food now and uh, not really getting much exercise in. So I'm, I'm head down the wrong path. I'm going to take this opportunity that. to get jacked, Andrew. That's this yeah. is the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, once, once I finish up some of the home projects, then I'll have some time to uh, focus on that. But so, so you're going out, you're doing some running then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going out doing that. Uh, just, I don't know. It's a, otherwise, I look at I have a Fitbit and I look at like how many steps I take during the day if I don't go out and run. It's like, oh, you walked three hundred steps today. That's me mm. going back and forth to coffee a dozen times. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah, it's, yeah, you know what's what's funny about that is so uh, for those of you listening to the show, you may or may not know this. Um, my day job is uh, IT, so I do IT support, um, I do security, network engineering, server deployments, that sort of thing. Um, and as you may imagine, it's a pretty much at-the-desk job for the majority of the day. So I've, I've also got a Fitbit, and you know I've got that 10,000-step goal for the day. I usually average for my whole day when I'm working normal, non-quarantine, uh you know like 2700 to 3500 steps which is just like abysmal it's terrible um now in quarantine especially with doing some of the the flooring that i've been you know doing uh, some of the little bit of remodeling and painting um I, i'm hitting 10,000 steps like every single day so that's uh in in that aspect that's going better but my workout routine has been just totally out the window yeah, I mean it's it's hard to get back once you have that routine set. It's hard to like get back into that type of stuff, right? It's like you know everything's all goofy. Yeah, yeah. I'm also, and I don't know if this is happening for anybody else, but I'm waking up significantly earlier in the morning and going to bed much later <laughs> as well. So somehow, magically during uh, quarantine, I'm actually sleeping less than i normally would with a daily work schedule I, I don't know if that's the same for you or not Kevin. no so, so my my first meeting of the day usually starts at about nine fifteen. so i'm waking up at like 
8.55. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. usually how my schedule works. Like, all right, great. I'll just put on a hat and uh, get in front of the meeting. I'm going to be on camera, all smiles, have my coffee in my hand. Oh, yeah. Now I'm just I'm rolling right. From, I got like 10 feet to walk from my bedroom to uh, where I have uh, my office. So <laughs> that's all I go. need to do. That's, that's now, using now your you time doing... efficiently. Are, are you doing uh, meetings, you know, with pajamas on and toothbrush still in your mouth yet, or, or you haven't made it that far? I'm not quite at that point. I, I change into a clean T-shirt. I have a hat so people can't tell I haven't, like, brushed my hair at all. Uh, usually I'm wearing jeans anyway, so I haven't done the pantsless thing. Uh, I am scarfing down breakfast in some of my meetings, so I'll just, like, tap that on mute and just, like, nom, nom. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. just hearing those nice sounds of when i forget the mute occasionally you hear that nice and they're like kevin uh you're not on mute buddy i'm like oh sorry <laughs> my bad yeah actually actually that, that brings up a good point you know more and more people are using zoom i'm surprised not as many people are using like google hangouts and some of the other alternatives out there it seems like everybody's just shifted to zoom which is interesting to me yeah well we um, use google hangouts where i work but zoom is huge yeah, Zoom is just, like, blowing up all over. And uh, I, want, I want to give you guys just, like, a couple tips while we're on topic. This wasn't planned for the show at all. Um, but tip number one is go into your Zoom settings and make sure, by default, your your microphone and your video is off when you start a call. That way, if you forget to, you know, mute yourself, you don't have to worry about it. By default, it's on. Um, and, uh, you know... you. The, the videos, there's different policies for video. I think a lot more people are opting for you to have video, but, you know, make sure that you check your surroundings before you turn your video on. You know, you don't want to start your Zoom call, like, in your bathroom, for example. I, I've, I've heard oh. some interesting horror stories with Zoom with people who aren't used to doing the virtual conferencing. And, I've seen uh, some of those, yeah. People do it in the yeah. bathroom. They'll they'll forget that their video's on. They'll be like in their boxers still, like not even on top. They're just yep. just naked. Yep. 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 Uh, actually, it <laughs> happened. Uh, so my uh, wife just showed me. It happened on Good Morning America, and I wish you know we could show this, but it's uh, on Good Morning America. A reporter was wearing a suit on top and was like in his boxers on bottom and didn't realize how wide the camera was, and it caught part of his leg when he was adjusting. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's great. What yeah. would we do without the media? Let me tell you. I mean, without Love them it. being here to embarrass themselves and give us fake news, I, I'm not sure that we would uh, anybody would pay attention to them. Yeah, I mean, the memes are going to be great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, but why, why don't we talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about today? Um, today is Tuesday, so today is our talk of the town. And... Um, we're, we're going to talk about a couple items that uh, some are local to Kevin and I focus on the city of Rochester. However, chances are very good that your local government um, is considering similar policies, whether you're here in New York or even outside of New York. There's a possibility that this might uh, come up for you. Um, and then the other item that we're going to talk about is uh, Cuomo's approval ratings and Trump's approval ratings. Um, there was a poll done. The cross tabs are pretty interesting. I haven't gotten through all of them yet, so we're going to talk about that towards the end of the show. Um, but the first two things that we're going to talk about are um, government layoffs, specifically in the city of Rochester. They're talking about layoffs, furloughs, um, some of that sort of thing. 
And then we're going to talk about an updated drug testing policy that the city is approaching as well. Um, but before we dive into those topics and before we talk about what government is doing, um, I, I'm going to ask Kevin, since we've got, I don't know, two or three minutes before we hit break, um, if if you were running a company and you were going through COVID-19, and this is a, a fair question to ask you because you don't have to like actually be accountable <laughs> to this question yes. later, at least not right Perfect. now because you're not running a company, you know, and, and you had to decide, say you had staff of, you know, a thousand people, what process would you take to determine how to do your layoffs or furloughs? Yeah, man, that's tough and you know we're I, I work for a company that that had to go through a little bit of that it was temporary but um you know that it, it's tough because you got to figure out like all right what's how, how do you cut enough money to make sure you can make to the next uh cash flow uh incident you know how do you make sure that you're able to still be functional and yeah there's not there's not any easy answer to that i think like kind of last in first out policies aren't necessarily the best way to go you have to kind of evaluate who's going to be able to handle the additional workload to be able to uh, keep the company afloat until <laughs> the crisis passes or you're able to adapt to it successfully. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's interesting. You you had mentioned one that, uh, that I guess didn't come to mind for me, which is last in, first out. So for those who might be wondering what that means, um, that's kind of like, you know, your most recent hire is is the first person to be let go. Um which, which is interesting because it'll be interesting to see how the city handles this um, and, and actually how, how they're talking about handling it. Uh, and, and then we'll also talk a little bit about how private industry handles things. And is government going to be looking at this the right way um, or are they looking at it the wrong way? Uh, so that's, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to go to break here. Um, you guys are listening to Radio Free New York. When we come back, we're going to talk about city layoffs, government layoffs, and how to compare and contrast them to private industry. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Radio Free New York. I get the economic hardship. Everybody gets it. Everybody feels it. If you want to go to work, work? Go take a job as an essential worker. Do it tomorrow. No, there are people hiring. You can get a job as an essential worker. So now you can go to work and you're not going to kill anyone. There it is. Governor Andrew Cuomo, if you want a job, if you want to go back to work, just become an essential worker. That's that's all you got to do. Just get up and go. You can get a job. People are hiring. That's that's what Cuomo yeah. says. Um, Unreal. Maybe there are some people hiring. Uh, I'm not seeing uh, a ton of help wanted ads floating around, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe somebody is. I don't know. Um, but one of those essential workforce items has been, and that we've discussed, has been government jobs. Uh, people who work for the government uh, have been, by large, you know, essential. There, there have been non-essential government workers. Well, now the city of Rochester is talking about doing layoffs, and I, I think it's was it three thousand employees? Is that right, Kevin? 
Yeah, so the city has 3,000 government employees, and they're looking to lay off some of them, right? They haven't specified the number. Uh, and what's interesting about how they're approaching it, too, is the mayor says, uh, I'm quoting from DNC articles, that the measure is targeted at the least impacted employees who would see no drop-off or even earn more with unemployment benefits. There you so go. That's, so that's how, that's how they're targeting it right now. Yep, yep. So, so I think this is an important thing to talk about. We should definitely address how government is approaching these layoffs versus how private industry would approach these layoffs. Um, and, and I just want to start this off by saying layoffs are a terrible, terrible thing to have to do. Um, and, and although we're going to talk about this, this topic kind of from a, a, a direct approach, an economic approach, a cost of business approach. Um, I, I don't want to downplay how terrible it is to have to lay somebody off, um, how terrible it is for that person to be laid off, how that could impact their family. Um, layoffs are, are really just awful, terrible thing. And I want to make sure that we don't lose sight of that and don't lose track of that. I think people are feeling a little less pained about layoffs because uh, a lot of people are being laid off. So it's, it's almost like um, a, the quote unquote new norm for a household to be full of people laid off. Um, but it's, it's still, it's, it's a terrible thing. Um, and, and it's a bad thing for our economy. It, it's a bad thing for government for sure. Um, it, it's, it's a bad thing for everybody. So I, as, as we talk about this, I just want to make sure that that's not lost, that layoffs are, are not a good thing. Um, so, so essentially the, the city is saying what they're going to do is they're going to look at people's salaries, look at what these people would get in unemployment. And if the numbers are close, then those are the people that are going to go. Um, and they're, they're essentially saying that they're looking out for people's financial well-being. Um, I think the first question that comes out of this is, is that the right approach? Should the approach be different? Should it be based on the services that government is currently rendering versus the services they're not? Um, does the government have services that are more essential than others? And should they be looking at eliminating those less essential services um once again not trying to be heartless here um but is is that a better approach for government to take what do you think kevin yeah no and that's something I, i'm thinking about too is like you know if you're able to lay off uh someone who's making over 100k a year but like maybe their services aren't being used as much right now because of the situation we're in if you can lay that person off and save three or four other jobs, like, doesn't that make more sense, right? Especially if those other jobs, uh, by eliminating them, is going to put additional stress on, you know, what we might call more essential services, right? So uh, infrastructure, uh, garbage, stuff like that. And Yeah, <clears throat> and so I, I kind of wonder, like, if, if the 311 operators are, are going to be the people that that meet this category i don't know what they get paid if you're not from the rochester area basically the city of rochester has a 311 number that you can dial it connects you to the city um and you can call for things like trash pickup pay your water bill um any number of things it's basically any city service you dial this number um i think there those people are probably going to be in that tier 
where what they get paid is going to be similar to the unemployment benefits. And I worry that while the city is trying to do something um, that could be seen as very heartfelt and um, responsible to their employees, in, in a matter of speaking, that it could then be very bad for government services if when you call, nobody answers the phone. Yeah, I mean, that, that could be a huge thing because, I mean, that's how the city, at least, identifies a lot of problems that are happening in the neighborhoods, too, is that they they have the um, <clears throat> 311 operators, in theory, relay, like, where are the potholes? Where are the issues where garbage collection maybe got missed? Or where, where are, like, these other problems? And they'll, they'll kind of let you indicate how the city should address some of these quality of life issues in some places as that pe people are reporting in this stuff. But but now if that stuff's not happening, you know what? What does that mean for the effectiveness of government too? You know, we, I think we we talk about oftentimes like how like government can be ineffective in and of itself, and is this going to make that issue worse without actually saving us any money for it, or saving us yeah, enough money? And and an interesting thing to consider is if the unemployment benefits for these employees are actually higher than their wages. Um, it, it would actually make things worse long term because we're still pulling from from the same tax base, right? It, it's it's all of our tax money. Um, now, granted, it could be spread out. You know, maybe those tax dollars come from somewhere else, but we can't lose sight of the fact that the unemployment insurance money comes from our tax dollars. So essentially, if we lay off people saying, oh, they're going to get paid more um it, it's it's not actually going to save us tax dollars long term. It, it'll actually cost us more money long term. Right. But it's not than... the city's government money. It's well, it's some sure. other government's yeah, money, course. so they're, it doesn't matter. Shoving See, it to somebody else. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just shove it to the state, which also said that they don't know if they have enough money to pay unemployment insurance benefits uh, going out all that long. That that system is also going broke. And we've created an incentive, and they, they mentioned this in, in several reports too, is that we have an incentive for employees not to come back to work because they are making more money on unemployment. So why yeah. would they want to come back if they can continue making money on unemployment and just stay where they are? Yeah, and I, I suspect, and I, I could be wrong with this, but I suspect when the federal pandemic insurance disappears – um, that that won't be an issue because that right. extra $600 a week or extra $2,400 a month on top of your regular unemployment, once that disappears, I, I think you'll you'll find that's not as much of an issue. However, we, we do have a, a pretty big welfare cliff in New York anyways, where the New York benefits do pay so much, especially when you consider things like health care. Um, it's hard for people to get off unemployment during a normal situation in a good economy. Um, our economy is tanking and crashing. That welfare cliff is just going to get bigger and bigger because, you know, there's possibly going to be a lot less jobs available, um, which will kind of switch it to an employer's market. And the employers might not actually have the money to pay what they did before the virus hit. Um, so wages starting after the virus might start at a lower salary, unfortunately. Yeah, we're going to have to deal with that reality again when there's an incentive to stay on unemployment and the employers are cash trapped. Uh, and especially since many of them didn't get that payment protection loan that would be able to cover them for uh, some of the expenses that they're facing right now. But most 
businesses didn't get it. Uh, they, even though uh, I don't know if you heard this, I know it's a slight tangent, but the LA Lakers had applied for and gotten five million dollars from that program. They ended up giving it back. <laughs> but that, yeah, it's such I, a mess. I heard of that. There, there, there's a, a a bunch of organizations that got money that should have never gotten the money. That that is. I mean, I mean, aside from the whole government loaning out money to begin with and how that's not a great idea, um, but in general, it, say say you just believe that that was the right answer and that was a good idea. Um, there, there are organizations that got millions and millions of dollars who were already making millions, if not billions of dollars, while you've got small mom-and-pop shops who need seven, $8,000 and they can't even get a response back, let alone the actual money. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, we've created these problems all across the board. Uh, you know, part of it, it's that that small business thing, right? Like how, how are small businesses handling uh, laying off employees and are they able to get assistance to be able to keep those employees on? Uh, the, the local and state governments aren't getting – it seems like – they're probably not going to get any support to be able to keep employees on. And, and part of the, part of me thinks, you know, like part of the small government uh, ideology, part of me thinks like, okay, maybe it would be a good thing if we reduced uh, local government staffs and pared it down to what's really essential. Um, but, but they're not, it all depends that. on how it looks like. Yeah, I know they're not going to yeah. do that. That's a, that's a problem. Well, I, yeah. And I think the big issue is they're not actually looking at who's essential and who's not. They're just, Oh, you'll get the same amount of money or more with unemployment. You're the one who's going to get laid off, right. not if they're essential or not. All right, guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. Uh, we're going to take a brief break. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Radio Free New York. All right, welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host Andrew Hollister. We've got Kevin Wilson here with me for our talk of the town, and what we're talking about is government layoffs. We've got government now looking at laying off employees. Um, and, you know, during this COVID nineteen crisis. Um, and you would think that the reason that they would consider this could be, I don't know, that they're running out of tax dollars or, or uh, not that they're running out of tax dollars, but maybe that people aren't really doing their jobs because their services have been reduced. But no, it's it's actually has to do with tax dollars. Um, yeah. the so city Rochester is... specific. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Kevin. So the the city has a twenty eight point eight million dollar shortfall this year, and I'm sure most of your town governments are kind of in a similar situation, and they've got to figure out a way to to make that work because they're just not getting the sales tax and other revenue uh, right now because all the businesses are shut down. Yeah, yeah. So so let's let's look at this approach a little bit differently. Let's look at the approach um, from private industry 
you know, the, the quarterly financials come in and they go, uh, hey, decision maker, we have a $28 million shortfall. Um, we're in trouble. CEO or whoever team of advisors, they get together and what they're probably looking at is downsizing the company more than likely. Um, they, they, they could also look at maybe putting money into like better advertising, um, ways to re-optimize things. Government has some ability to do that, but not really because everybody's already a customer of government. You have no choice. You've been forced. You have to buy government services as long as you're living and breathing here. Um, so with that being said, government doesn't really have the, um, opportunity to kind of like go out and, and reinvent themselves per se to bring in more customers because they've already forced everybody to be their customer. So the next step would be downsizing and in private industry, you would look at things like what of our products, um, do we have to supply? What, what do we have to supply? What should we be supplying? What keeps our customers running and going? That, that kind of floats as a priority. You, of course, assess that and make sure that that is profitable. Um, the next thing you look at is, okay, what's not profitable? What's not being used? What, what are people not engaging in? Um, what is, quote, unquote, non-essential? Um, but non-essential in terms of keeping the company afloat. So... You know, that that being one process, the way that would translate to government is government should be assessing, okay, what are the things that absolutely can't go? Um, things like trash collection are probably pretty high on that list. Um, things like the water authority, making sure people have clean drinking water. Um, you know, your 911 centers. Um, although your 911 centers, to be honest, might be receiving a lot less calls, or maybe they're receiving a lot more calls. Like those, those are things that that need to be looked at and assessed. Um, so, so you need to kind of like put things in those buckets. And then after you prioritize things out, the next thing they should be looking at is, okay, what costs us money that we're not actually bringing money in for? Um, And ironically, um, (laughs) people are probably going to be upset about this. Let's just throw this out here. Um, But the city probably, if they were being smart about this, uh, would, would look at their parking enforcement numbers and see if their parking enforcement numbers are still up or down. Um, now, as me, a small government individual, I would say we should just get rid of parking enforcement entirely. Um, I don't know how much money that would save. I'm sure it would save a bunch. Um, no, but that might be one of the most profitable services the government's running right now. I don't know. What do you think, Kevin? Well, uh, so Rochester suspended... Uh, the fees at parking meters and parking garages like a month ago. But I still um, see parking enforcement driving around in my neighborhood and other neighborhoods in the city. So they're doing something. Right. So so you're not getting charged to park now, right? Which I actually disagree with because parking, having parking spaces costs money. You should charge for that. But it's stuff like uh, if you're parked on the wrong side of the street or parked in front of a fire hydrant or stuff like that, they're still out doing that type of stuff. So... They, they and and they do make some amount of money from that, but I'm curious if they are like down revenue wise, as, as as terrible as it is to look at that. Um, you know, are they are yeah, they down? Yeah, no, but it's it's reality. Yeah, 
Yeah. So so these these are the approaches that um, you know private industries they they would take that sort of approach. They would look at what is bringing in revenue, what is not bringing in revenue, what's essential to the services they give to their customers, what's not essential. Um, salaries could could also be in there. Um, I'll I'll give you an example. A company might look and go. Hey, we we have two executives here who are making six figures. Um, the average employee's making, let's call it, you know, forty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars. We let these two executives go. We can save eight jobs, and you know, a company could make that decision, um, and that may be a logical decision because that executive probably doesn't carry the same workload as as those other workers and and not just that you have to look at your workload and go if i remove a few workers how does that shift the workload does that right. make it really really heavy on the other workers to the point that they can't actually get any work done and we've made cuts and we've also lowered productivity so those cuts like basically make no difference whatsoever like a private industry would look at that and say uh you know what um we're we're gonna have to make some changes here and that's gonna be a couple executives have to go so that we can keep some of the workers to keep the workload going and keep things efficient um and, and even like small companies like my company for example um i wanted to keep my employees for as long as we possibly can through this virus so i opted to not take a salary so i'm i'm living on savings right now i'm not gonna get unemployment because i'm still technically working um, but I would rather take that money that would normally go for my salary and put it towards my employees. And, and you'll see that happen too. Um, I have yet to see any government executive, uh, forego their salary, um, to help with the tax issues that were going. Yeah. In fact, I'm Especially seeing, didn't, huh? Didn't Governor Cuomo get a raise? <laughs> yeah yeah no that's what i was gonna say in um, fact i'm i'm seeing government executives in the legislature they're taking raises right now while the rest of us are unemployed or making significantly less than we normally would um and small business owners like myself and and medium-sized businesses uh we're making the decision to take less income so that we can keep our employees employed um, while state executives are taking these big cushy salaries, um, and I don't see any of them offering up their salary to help with this tax deficit. Yeah, I mean that's really that's that's the first thing they should do is they should offer like, all right, if we're going to make sacrifices, you know, at least cut your salary in half or something like cut cut it cut it in some way that's that significant and meaningful and and allows a few other people to be able to to keep their jobs or you know. Uh, allows you to cut some of that gap, right? Like that that's the least I think an executive can do. Instead, so you got people like Governor Cuomo just saying they they deserve an even higher salary and he's already the highest paid governor in the the nation. That that one that one really drives me nuts. It just yeah. makes me sad. Yeah. Well, and I I think Cuomo's salary, I forget. It's like 190,000 or maybe 250,000. That's that's a big chunk of money. Um, it, you look at the city of Rochester, you know, Mayor Warren, I think her salary is 150k or $170,000. Mm. Um, why not say, you know what, I've, it, she's been making this for years now, right? I, I'm assuming she must be well off. Um, why aren't government officials, why aren't our executives standing up and saying, 
before I'm going to make these cuts, I'm going to sacrifice myself. Um, and, and like you said, it doesn't have to be a full salary. 20%, 50%, 70%, um, whatever you can swing with your financial hardships that are going on at home, um, make make that choice because you you are there as a public servant to serve the public. And if you're taking a large salary while you can't balance a budget because of this crisis, um, serving the public, one of the things you can do is reduce your salary. Yeah. Easy thing. And, and, you know, that's that's what elected officials should do, you know, like, you know, county legislators who are, are going to be facing the same budget shortfalls. Like, why not try to uh, reduce your salary and just say, all right, we're doing this in service of our county. We're doing this to make the public a better place. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting ideals onto them. I'd like them to have rather than what they actually have. <laughs> but, you know, they, they should be reducing their salaries to say, all right, this means that we're able to keep more people on or we're able to make these services uh, last compared to you know what they might be able to do otherwise yeah yeah no absolutely all right guys we're gonna take our last break of the hour here you're listening to radio free new york we'll be back in a moment radio free new york Welcome back to Radio Free New York. Today is our talk of the town. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. I have Kevin Wilson here with me. And uh, Kevin brought to my attention a new policy um, being proposed in the city of Rochester. Once again, my home city, Kevin's home city. However, um, your town or your city may already be considering this. Um, Who knows? Maybe the state will consider it at some point. But it's uh, it's this idea that there won't be marijuana drug testing for government applications anymore. Kevin, I'll let you give us a little background. Yeah, so so there's some discussion that uh, for city employees. So I mean, it's funny we're talking about cutting staff, but as the city moves forward with the hiring process, there's a proposal to, and it's coming from Mayor Lovely Warren and City Council President Loretta Scott. So pretty good chance it'll go through. Is that. If you are applying for a city job, they're no longer going to test you for THC. Uh, that they have determined that that's no longer a factor in whether or not you can uh, work for the city. And, and other cities have done this. So New York City, uh, starting May 10th, actually is going to be banning all employers from doing drug testing for applicants for marijuana or THC. And yeah, so uh, this, State of Nevada does this too, actually. Yeah, so this is this is happening in some places. Um, their reasoning and their rationale um, was that THC can stay in your system longer and show up on a drug test longer than, say, alcohol. So obviously, there's a policy you can't show up to work drunk. You know, they could do a sobriety test theoretically while you're working, and if you were drunk, um, you would be unfit to work, unfit to perform your duties. However, you know, marijuana can show up on a drug test for days, if not longer, depending on the test. Um, and something you do after hours that's no longer impacting your ability to do your job could still show up even while you're on the job or applying for the job. Um, and failing that test doesn't actually like reflect on whether or not you're capable of carrying out those duties. 
Right. And, th- and that's the big thing is, right, again, if you're doing this stuff after hours, you're, it's your own business, do your thing, whatever. As long as you're not showing up to work impaired in any way, that that's the bigger issue. And, and apparently some of the restrictions will still be in place for a few jobs, like uh, uh, if you're a, like a commercial truck driver type of job that uh, or, you know, you have to have a CDL license to be able to operate city equipment. There's other state laws that come into play. But I guess for like administrator positions or other positions that are uh, – where there's not these other legal requirements, they'll be able to waive those THC requirements and they won't test you for THC. Because again, you could have smoked three days ago and then you get a random drug test uh, uh, today and then you're not impaired in any way, it, but it's still showing up in your system in the tests. And you know why, why should you have to get fired for that when and that's something you did over the weekend and you didn't hurt anybody, you just enjoyed yourself and then you're sober and you go up to work and you do your job effectively and you get kicked out of your position for something you do recreationally that doesn't harm anyone. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And um, the the other category that, I, that I'm aware of that they would continue this testing for is public safety positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm assuming that's like police officers and, and other security-related jobs, probably medical examiner's office, although that's county, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so this this all kind of comes together because marijuana legalization has been discussed um, a lot in New York state. Governor Cuomo keeps promising it year after year after year. And all the people, uh, it's too hard this year. year. <laughs> yeah, it's too hard every year, Kevin. I mean, come yeah. on. It's, I mean, it's, it's funny. Just, we got uh, the campaign finance system in place and we got bans on styrofoam, but marijuana legalization. Oh, that's, we don't want to make this political difficult. during budget season. Yeah, well, we we wouldn't want to allow upstate farms to have the ability to grow things like hemp um, and have a booming economy uh, in in upstate New York. It's just it's too difficult, Kevin. It, we we can't have that. Sorry, hands are tied. So, yep, hands are tied. Just not possible. Yeah, you know, we got a virus to fight. We're fighting a war right now, and uh, you know, allowing people to legally grow a natural occurring plant um, too difficult. Yeah. So, but I think this this does bring up um, a, a couple things though. Like, if if this policy were to go into effect, um, one of the things that was actually kind of interesting is they they said that um, I think it was last year they only got seven people who applied to positions that could not pass a drug test out of like two hundred forty applicants. Only seven of them um, couldn't pass a drug test. But the, the thing that was emphasized here, which I don't disagree with, by the way, and I think this is, is worth um, emphasizing, is they don't know how many people did not apply for these positions who may have been much better qualified but knew that they couldn't pass a drug test, so they didn't even bother. Um, so there's an interesting perspective that, that could be very well true, um, that somebody who is much better qualified for a position – um, is also able to make the decision they know, like, well, not going to pass the drug test anyway, so why would I apply? Um, and it could actually be holding us back from having um, better talent in government. So so let me play devil's advocate on this a bit again, because I really don't like random drug testing for some of that stuff. But for the application thing, I think there's a case to be made that if you're not able to not smoke for a long enough time to be able to pass a drug test that you know is coming, as long as it's not one of those ones where they take a bit of your armpit hair and it goes back like six months or whatever. But if you're not able to 
abstain from smoking for a week or two at a time to be able to get a job, is that a good reason to deny someone employment because they're, they're not able to do that? Assuming they're not using it for like a medical reason. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know if that's, um, I mean, I, I would phrase it as you don't know when these jobs are opening up mm-hmm. and you don't know when you're going to be looking for a new job. So you might just, you know, and I don't smoke, so I, I'm totally making this up right now. So you guys can call me out on this. But I would think that over the weekend, you know, you're doing whatever you do in your personal time. Monday morning, you decide you really hate your job. You open up the laptop and you see there's two more days left to apply for this position. Um, because normally there's a cutoff for government jobs. It, it's open for a certain window of time. And you go, oh, wow. I would be really good at that. I would love to do that. Let me do this. Oh, uh, I smoked over the weekend or, you know, did whatever. I've got THC in my system. There's no way I can apply for this position. Um, I, I don't know that people are like planning out their smoking sessions around their job applications. Maybe they are. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe I, I think like you, you could plan it out a little bit, right? Like if you know, it's going to be a week from now, right? Like if you know, like, okay, you got to come in for this drug test on, you know, May 15th, right? Okay. So apparently I, cause I'm looking it up right now is that if it depends on how often you smoke it. So urine tests can apparently, it, well, if you smoke it the first time, it'll be out of your system in three days. If you smoke it a couple times a week, five to seven days, if you're a daily user, it could be like 30 days in your system. But they have different ways of detecting it. Urine is three to 30 days. Saliva is up to 72 hours. And then hair tests are three months. And then blood tests are immediate. Like they can tell three or four hours. So there's all these different ways of being able to detect it too, which is interesting, right? So if you're able to detect it in that, uh, in that different situation, you know, can you abstain for a little while and do that type of stuff? I don't know. I mean, is it is it required? Do people not smoke cigarettes like for weeks at a time before applying for a job or don't, you know, do they abstain from alcohol for weeks at a time before applying for a job? I uh, it, I suspect the answer is no. Um, so I, I, I guess my thing is I don't know that we should be treating marijuana any differently other than the fact that it's still currently not legal in the state and i if i think the the good argument would be made that like since it's still illegal that would be why um versus you know just abstaining for for the position yeah guys you're listening to radio free new york we'll be back same time same place tomorrow